Hi, dear listeners. This is Oshaya, your host. If you love our show, I have a favor to ask. Could you kindly leave us a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts? Your reviews go a long way in helping us do better, and we read every single one of them. I thank all of you in advance for leaving those reviews. Enjoy. You know, like I said, look, this is a message from God. You know, when God says to you that, look, I'm giving you a chance to prove yourself. I'm giving you a chance to rebuild. And for me, this was it. My father told me life is not a bit This is Origins Africa podcast, where we explore the origin stories of people who have made and are making their dreams come true, asking the what, the when, the how, and the why. I'm Oshaya, and on this episode, Biodo Shikoya, popularly known as Bizo, talks about his journey into the entertainment industry, as well as the dark moment that gave birth to The Plug NG. Bezel is the co-founder of The Plug Entertainment, a talent management, music distribution, music licensing and event company that has managed some of Africa's great talents like Davido and Peruzzi. What do you do when your life crashes right in front of you in the middle of your career? Everything had been going so well. Basically a fast life. That was when I was living life too fast, where I was making like close to a millionaire a week. I used to go to London for the weekend and just have fun. And suddenly, all comes crashing down. I went to America for like three months. I was depressed. I, I didn't know what to do. How do you pick up and build back the pieces of your life after a hard fall that leads you to an existential crisis? That was the card that life dealt Biodun Oshikoya, popularly known as Bezo. As a young boy, Bezo had had a pretty easy and straightforward life. Growing up for me was, um, I would say, very easy and straightforward. I mean, I grew up in, in Nigeria and in England. So, I mean, it was very, very straightforward for me. There was no much, I wouldn't say, oh, I had a difficult time growing up, or I had to struggle, I had to hustle, no. I had none of those experiences. I went to a, a private school in Nigeria, and then I went to also finished up in England. Finished up secondary school in England, um, proceeded to college, and then university. And his fondest memory is how closely knitted his family was and still is. My family wasn't a, a big family. My, well, it's a family of five. I, I had two sisters and my parents. So we were very close in our family. And things, memories growing up, I remember like our parents with family holidays. Our parents trained, brought us up to be very close and to help one another. You know, like that's why me and my siblings are still very, very close to today. Like we, we're very close. We have no, we, I mean, we fight, but we don't let it get past one day. We get, we get back together. It was a thing of joy. Like I, I don't remember any sad memories growing up. But like we all grew up one, one household. You know, live together as one. Bezel actually wanted to be a soldier. When I was growing up from like primary school to early days of secondary school, I wanted to be a soldier because I just loved the way military men were and their uniform and the way they were they commanded respect and stuff like that. 
but he eventually outgrew that interest. He subsequently thought to pursue a career in music, having grown up in a music household. We were a music household. My father loved music. He had a record vinyl player and he had loads of um, um, records that we used to always listen to. You know, that's part of the reasons why me and my sisters fell in love with music. Even when my sisters moved to England before me, like they would buy CDs and singles, tapes, and send them back to me in Nigeria. He, however, wasn't particularly interested in Nigerian music until he moved to England. For me, I'll say my big interest in, in music, in, in, in Nigerian music, will be when I, I moved to England, when I found out, you know, I was, I was going out to clubs and I was hearing Jamaican music. And I was wondering why they never had, they never really played Nigerian music. So that's when I really, really fell in love and, with Nigerian okay. music and said, look, I want to be part of this industry to see it grow. Bezel had the support of his parents. For me, my parents, most important thing about anything for my parents was happiness. They didn't care whatever we did, well, as long as we were happy. That's what mattered to my parents the most. As long as we were happy, they were happy. So... I mean, me saying I'll just do music wasn't a problem. And albeit greatly influenced by both of them, his dad had a greater influence on his music career. My mom doesn't really care about music. So it's like, yeah, my dad, yes, he, he listens to music a lot. My mom, she, I mean, she, she, she will not, she doesn't care about music, but my dad will be like, oh, even till now, will be like, oh yeah, can you put... I emailed some songs on my flash drive so I can connect it to my car and stuff like that. Or, you know, things like that. So for my mom, it was more like she didn't really care about music. So I don't really say I got that music influence from her. It was more from my father. Bezel got into the university in England to study music business, even though he wasn't clear on what he wanted to do specifically. I mean, for me, I knew I wanted to be in the music business. I did not know what... Ex- so I knew I wanted to be in the music business, and I knew I couldn't sing. So I knew if I studied music business, I would be in the music b- industry, you know, and I'll be able to help, you know, find... I'll probably be able to get a job in a big record label, and that way be able to push the agenda of African music or one way or the other. So for me, that was part of the reason that made me do music business. And... I feel like it helped me a lot because me doing that made me understand so many things about the music business, which I'm applying to today. While in college, Bezel had a stint at DJing from where he got the name Bezel. When I was in college in, in, in England, I was I enjoyed DJing because obviously I fell in love with music. So I enjoyed DJing. That's even where the name Bezel came from. I used to call myself DJB and then a friend call me the Bizzle. And then I removed the D and just left the Bizzle. I DJed and then stopped DJing. I started, you know. Why did just, you stop? Why did I stop? Yeah. And to be, to be honest, I just DJed to learn. I didn't DJ to want to be a professional DJ. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No. Then from so there, I, I went on. I went on, I mean, I was still in college before I went to uni and to do music business. I started to, that was part when the whole, going, doing the whole MySpace thing, helping Nigerian artists create MySpace pages, put their music on MySpace and all those things. 
and just put music on my Facebook. You know, before the blogs, before even all this, you not know, just okay everything. There was blog spots. So and then I remember Bella and my dad had blog spots, but I couldn't be bothered to create a blog spot. So I was using my Facebook as a blog. I was putting music, latest videos. I'll post the link on my Facebook. People like will follow me on Facebook just to see new music and some new videos from Nigeria. And you did this to put Nigerian mus- music out there, so so so, yes. so the aspirants could know. Exactly. He went on his own to create MySpace accounts for artists and sent them the details, even though many of them didn't know him. Uh, I know you don't know me, but I created this page and I gave them the username and password. And how did they typically respond? I mean, some people were like, thank you, I appreciate it. I mean, I kept in touch with some. Some just took it, changed their password and moved on. You know, so... Okay. I, I also knew it was from there you met Dr. Seed, Sasha, yeah. then Sasha, Jazzy, LD. Mm. Okay. So what happened afterwards in your music journey? Then after, you know, after meeting Don Jazzy, I remember I met Don Jazzy when he came to London for Mobile Awards. The Mobile Awards at the band and two face were nominated. So I met Don Jazzy. Then Don Jazzy introduced me to the band on Two Space. I can never forget, I'm not going into station when they were about to go in for the awards. So introduced me to them. Then I'm like, ah, so busy, you be human being. Uh, they never they just thought it was just a report <laughs> online. Like, you know, that because I never used to post my pictures, so nobody really knew what I looked like. You know, then I kept in touch with Don Jazzy. I mean, Two Face and the band, I didn't really keep in touch with them because I think they were big celeb, so there was no way to keep in touch with them. And uh, they didn't really care about social media much then, so it was just Don Jazzy I used to talk to. Then, you know, I was talking to Don Jazzy, then I remember also talking to Obi Asika, and I told Obi Asika that, look, I'm, I'm interested in... How did you meet Obi Asika? On Facebook. Everybody I've met has been on social media. So you just so sent Obi a message? Yeah, I mean, everybody pretty much knew who I was because of what I was doing. Okay, the so music you were uploading. Yeah, so a lot of people knew who I was. So, like, they were following me. So when I sent him a message, me and Obi used to talk. We always used to talk. So, and then one day I just sent him a message. I said, oh, big bro, I'm trying to move back to Nigeria. I still have a message. Because, you know, Facebook doesn't clean our messages now. So true, I true. Said, I said, big bro, I'm trying to move back to Nigeria. And, you know, I'm not really sure how the music industry works there and everything, blah, blah, blah. So he said, you know, I'll offer you a job, move back to Nigeria, come handle the social media for Storm Records that I see are pretty good with social media. And, you know, we as scouts ahead of his time. Like, he knew a lot of things before a lot of all these people. So he said, I should come work with Storm and be in charge of social media. And then I was also NATO's road manager. Okay, okay, great. So you returned to Nigeria in 2008. Um, so how was yeah. the experience? Uh, I mean, it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't bad, to be honest. I moved back to Nigeria. My parents gave me a car. I was working at Storm Records. I was getting 80K a month. Then wow, in 2008. Yeah. I trusted. Okay, a, a, a pretty good deal. <laughs> Yeah, that was a lot of money. So, you know, shout out to Viasica. It was it was good pay for me. I was, okay. You know, 
And, so uh, how long did you do it for? Since it was social media, for, not I exactly worked with for like I worked with Stone for I think nine months. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I moved to Mohits. Why yeah, did you move, move? Or why was it that short? And because I don't know, the Mohits offered me a job. And to be honest, Stone was more professional. Mohits was more of like. Moist was more of like what um, quality control is now. Moist was cool. They had they used to wear jewelry. They go to the club. Oh, okay. My family. They lived in a house. Storm was more official. So I guess as a young guy, I liked that <laughs> Moist. Moist vibe. Even though okay. it wasn't so official, but there was no. I mean, it, was, it took a while before they had an office. I remember when they finally got an office. One office uh, near the band's house, you know, they tried to do the office thing. It didn't work. It wasn't really for them, you know. It took a while, but yeah, man. Like for me, I enjoyed that lifestyle. The whole movies thing, going to club, all this, like lifestyle. It was this was the real music industry lifestyle. <laughs> it was like, okay, ah, them Jesus no do pass this one now. So it was for me. It was cool. And then when the band offered me a job, I was like, yeah, I'll come up with you guys. The band said, come, come up with us. All the social media way they do, come do one for us. <laughs> and for me, I thought, why not, man? Like, let me go and work with these guys. These guys are cool. I mean, I still love Rubiaska to death, but like, they were more too formal. And mm-hmm. for me, then I was young, so I, I didn't want anything formal. I wanted a lifestyle, not necessarily nine to five, but also work with Mohit to break up into Maven. You know, I I left with Don Jazzy for Maven because I was closer to Don Jazzy and then that time of the breakup, the band was in America, Don Jazzy was in Nigeria. And I I was cool with Jazzy. Jazzy was kind of a guy that the, the band was more of the strict guy in the business. The band was more of the guy that, oh, accounts. The band will give you 10K to go and buy something. The band will want you to do account of how you spend that 10K to the end. <laughs> Jazz will give you 10K to go and buy something. He doesn't care how you spend it as long as you bring what he sends you to buy. Mm, okay, okay. So it was more of like, Jazz is a cool guy. So I went to stay moving. I was like, you know, I'll go moving. Then when moving started and everything, Jazzy called me, was like, bro, you know this Maven now, we're starting new. We don't have the kind of money we're paying you at Mohit. Like a brand new company, you know, go and think about it, what you want to do, writing an offer letter, writing a, a letter of application of what you want to do at Maven. If it's something that we feel that the company needs, we'll accept you. If not, they're still part of the family all of. So, you know, I went, I wrote an application letter, did cover letter, everything, said, you know, I want to be the air now, that, you know, after being in movies, you know, watching him make music, watching how he used to produce music and say, this song will fit one day, this song will fit Dr. Seed. You know, even in movies, days, sometimes when Jazzy was traveling to mix um, the band project or the Prince or anybody abroad, I would follow him to London and America. So I fell in love. Like I said, look, I want to be, this is what I want so to So you're be. doing more on your social media work. Yeah. 
So I now said, look, this is what I actually want to do. I want to be an A&R. I want to be someone that... I now went to go and read up like, more about a and because obviously I did music business, so I knew the role of A&R. Oh, I didn't, okay. I really so I now went to read more about what a and really does and stuff like that. So I said, look, this is actually what I want to do. I want to discover talent. I want to, you know, help develop the talent, build them into global brands, like global superstars. You know, so... For me, it was an exciting thing for me to do. So I said, look, this is what I want to do. So after you submitted it, um, what was the judges' feedback? How long did it take for them to respond? And so it didn't judges that got back to me. So, you know, they had the HR person and everything. So the HR person now sent me an email back saying, we've accepted your application and you know, the role of AML. Then they gave me the salary breakdown, you know, the whole um, help, travel, okay. all, those, okay. uh, all those things. Compensation like, package. Yeah, the whole salary thing. And uh, I was like, yeah, I said, look, it's not, it's not a lot, but, you know, I will accept it because at the end of the day, I'd already built my name then. So I said, look, me working at Navy was also helping build a new brand. And at the same time, I had already built my name, so I could use my name to make money from other avenues. Like so it was a big cost. Yeah. Because it was a new company, don't you remember? Yes, new yes. Company, they were starting from fresh, so Jazzy left all the old catalog with more hits. So he came to Maven with zero. Wow. Okay. So you have to remember, it could not be greedy and be asking for XYZ. Okay, okay. Now you were doing social media before and you had experts there. Now you're venturing into a new role, A&R. How, how did you, how, how were you able to position yourself to function optimally in that role? How did you upscale? I mean, first thing we did first as a and you know, we did the Mavis search. Well, that's when we had entry. That's when we found Ricardo Banks. I mean, we did that. Dija had already been introduced to Maven by somebody else. I also think okay. was already introduced to Maven by somebody else. So all the entries that we did for the Maven, it was only Ricardo. Ricardo, funny enough, Ricardo was the first guy we called. And the day he came to the studio, Ricardo recorded four songs. Wow. All of us were weak. We're like, this guy is super Like, who is this guy? This guy recorded four songs in one day. Oh, we have to know this guy, blah, blah, blah. And then we can't know how to spend the night. From spending the night, the next day, he went home, me and his brother, they went to get their clothes. He came back, spent one week, four minutes. Ah, no. Like I said, they signed to leave him. In the process of signing to leave him, as we were making music, I was also, you know, helping him and his brother, like, just teaching them the tricks and tricks of the business and helping them know what to do. Yeah, the early days. Okay, okay. Could you also share? I know there were some um, as part of your early struggles as an ENR professional. Your grinding experiences with CAS. Oh yeah, CAS. CAS was before even this was even before the break, Moe's breakup. So oh, okay. when I was working at Moe's, CAS was a friend of the family. Cass was Dondazi and the bandit's friend from London. So he came to Nigeria 
and then he was staying in the in the, in the Muhit house. So Cass was making music. Ah. So he played similar for everybody. He went to play for the organization at the band. Yeah. I guess for them, it felt like, ah, why we sign our guy? Our guy will not be like our boy. So, but they didn't know how to put it to him that way. So they didn't sign him. But they gave him money just to help him. So I now told Cass, I said, you know what, bro? Me, I'll help you. Like, I'll help you push your music. We'll also this music together. This jam is bad. You know, while I was removed, it's still so I was helping Cass on the side. So, you know, we're pushing the music. We'll go to radio stations, go and drop the CD for promo, do interviews. I remember one time I went to Alagbadu, AIT. My God, I can never forget that day. We're in traffic for like six hours. Wow. And I was not driving. So, we'll go and push Cass music. We have shows in different places, Bimi, Ibadan, Abuja, like so many, a few places. I mean, I can't see a few shows here and there. On, on that familiar song, we had familiar, and then the other one, uh, If You Want For Me, If You Want For Me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. we had those two songs. We had those two songs. And remember one time, we had a show in London. They could not buy two of us tickets. So we now said, okay, you know, cast, only you go. And because me and him have British passport, so we didn't need visa. So I now say, you know, cast, only you go to London. Just give me my percentage. I will stay in Nigeria. When you get to London, you go to the show. You are a London boy anyway. You know London. So cast went to London for that show. Forget. Okay, so you were already doing A&R work, even as a social media manager with Well, I wasn't before. doing A&R work. I was doing more manager. Oh, Okay. Mm. So how is A and R different? A and R is different. A and R, you you look for talent, you develop them, and, and you know you groom them. Manager, oh, okay. you are not you are not looking for talent to develop. Manager, you are you, know, you are building a you are brand of the talents. You are helping them, you know, build their brand, get shows and stuff. Okay. Okay. So what did working, so, so, so what lessons did, would you say you learned working with Don Jazzy? What important lessons did you learn? I mean, one of the most important things I learned working with Don Jazzy is always be humble and, you know, like humility was a big thing for Don Jazzy and, and loyalty. So, you know, Jazzy liked people that are loyal and, and, and humble and then Jazzy didn't like people that that lied or talked too much. So I learned one of those things. Also, Jazzy didn't like, he didn't like, like, loudness. He didn't like noise. Like, you know, even though it was a Mohit crew, he didn't like, oh, external people coming and us making it too big. He liked to keep it family. You know, because they felt when you start to bring outsiders, then you start to poison the mind of the people inside. You know, so once in a while we will have friends over, but it was more of a family thing. And, you know, from the more time to also from the band was business. Like the band made me realize that look, no matter what's in business, even if you are friends, you still have to be able to do that business properly. That's the only way you can succeed. Because at the end of the day, if you get more, if both of you are just only okay, let's just be friends and just be, you know, there was no proper business structure. It will affect the business, you know, and it will affect, later on, affect the friendship. Okay. Did you have any mistakes? 
or any failures whilst you were there? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had mistakes on failures, obviously. Like, there were so many things I did that, you know, I would say, yeah, that I shouldn't have done, you know, but, I mean... I did share a few? I will say, yeah, some, I mean, some mistakes I made would be, you know, when I was managing cars, um, me and him fell out. You know, he, we fell out because he said to me, oh, I'm, as his manager, I'm working for him. So, I mean, I felt disrespected. I said, look, I'm not working for you. I'm working with you. We're working to achieve a goal. You know, then I, I now told him I'm not working with him anymore. A lot of people make him a job today. You believe that your manager is your houseboy. Your manager is working for you. You guys are working together to achieve a common goal. You know, that's why I enjoyed the relationship of um, Mayor Poe and Sam Frank in this Nigerian industry. Mayor Poe and his manager, Sam Frank. They, they work as a team. They don't work as if, oh, I'm working for you or nobody know. It's a team. Both of them believe that, look, if we can achieve this thing together, we can, you know, build together and grow together. And that's why both of them are growing together. Both of them have helped each other grow from beginning to now, where they're both individual standing on their own. Like, you know, some fact, everybody sees... San Frank and knows, yes, this is the guy responsible for Mayor Kuhn, what Mayor Kuhn is today, you know. So, and Mayor Kuhn was also grateful to San Frank because he knows this guy drives hard for me. This guy takes my life seriously, he takes my career, everything seriously. He takes it as, as you know, a full-time job, not just an opportunity to make money. Okay. okay. You know, for me, I, I believe every artist manager should be able to get the artist to believe, you know, to grow them from scratch so that they can see, look, I'm not working for you, but I'm working with you to help you build your brand into a global brand or into a respected brand that even after you're not doing music anymore, you're still respected. Mm. So why do you regard the fallout with cars as a mistake? Was it a mistake on your part? I've helped him. Like, I mean, right now, really and truly, where's cars today? Cast yeah, he made money, he started a family, he's still been, he's been struggling trying to come back. He, he, he just music once in a while. One time he said he was a pastor or something. I believe if that time we stuck together and we we you know we worked together and we I helped him, you know, build and understand what he was doing, I guess it might have been different. Okay. Is there any other mistake or failure you 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 want to share? Um, I don't think there's any more mistakes I can share with people to say, look, you should be able to, you know, like there's this new artist I'm working with, his name is Oxlade. So I told Oxlade, I said, look, look at this artist, learn from his work ethics. Look at this artist, artist. learn from his strategy. Look at this artist, learn from his lifestyle of being you know, a private person and not showing everything to the world or doing this from learn from this access of being working smart. You know, and I said, look, combine all these things together and put it in your life. Now look at all their bad habits. Drop it. Don't get associated with it. Don't say, oh, because XYZ is doing this, I want to do it. XYZ is doing that. No. Build your own life. Create your own self. Remember, everybody keeps saying that, yeah, nobody should follow me. Why must I be a role model? But no matter what you look at life, you're a role model to other people. So you can't keep saying, oh, I'm going to do whatever I like because it's my life. No, you must remember you've chosen to be a celebrity. Your life is being watched by a lot of people. 
what you do will determine. I mean, you've seen so many news headlines saying, oh, I did this because of this artist. I did this because of that artist. I did this because of this artist. Oh, you know, and we, we, a lot of people influence people in such a huge way that they don't know. I remember when to a savage cut her hair. So many comments, oh, I want to cut my hair. I want to cut this one, it looks good on me. Because it makes them think, one time whiskey dyed his hair. So many people were saying, I want to dye my hair. You know, like, people copy these traits of people that you do. So that's why it's always good to always do things. I mean, good things in public. If any bad thing you're doing, do it to your own privacy. Because you need to remember, your life is in the public. Whatever you do will portray it. And people will want to do the same thing as you because they feel it's good. They feel like, look, X, Y, Z did it and got away with it. Nobody, you know. But when, you know, people start getting punished for things that they do, as a role model, whatever you do, for yourself that you feel is not right. You should do it in your, in your privacy. You know, and whatever you feel like, okay, this might be right. I mean, you can do it in public. Giving charity, doing things nice, making, you know, making music, making, uh, helping somebody. All those things are things where people say, oh, if you do it, doing it for clout. Yeah, but I mean, also inspiring other people to do it. You know, but sometimes, yes, too, it's good to keep what you're doing in private. But sometimes, if you're doing it to be able to inspire somebody else, it's acceptable. That's if you're true. Doing it to do That's it, true. If you're doing it for sure, it's not acceptable. But if you're doing it to inspire other people, then it's acceptable. If you, you know, like, we need to learn that what we do affects other people. Like, what we do, and... You know, a lot of, right now, the internet is very big. Everything you do gets on the internet and you can't wipe it off unless you have XYZ amount of dollars to clear up every record of yours on the internet. But why do you want to go through that stress? Why don't you just try and clean a good, keep a cool, cool and clean slate of good deeds so that you don't have to struggle? Because at the end of the day, yes, you're young. You're doing all these things, you're excited about it. When you go older, I'm sure a lot of the things people in America like Snoop Dogg and all these guys did when they were younger, they regret it now that they're older, when they have kids. Because I can't tell my child not to do something when I was clearly doing it 20, 25 years ago. How am I able to tell my child, don't do this? He says, so we could do it, so why can't I do it? You get it. So we need to remember. Yeah, I do. No matter what, back in the days of our parents, there was no internet. Now there's internet now. So everything you do is kept on the internet. You see them bringing up tweets on people from 10 years ago, tweets from people from five years ago, or some dumb shit you said. Well, if you kept doing that dumb shit, they won't be able to bring it back up. So we must always think before we do a lot of things. Very insightful. Thank you for that. Um, now, Adam, go back a bit. Um, when you were just starting out in the music business, did you in your early years, have any doubts or fears? Yeah, I mean, definitely when I was starting off, I had doubts. Like, I felt like, look, this industry didn't look like a very industry that made a lot of money and stuff like that. Well, I still went ahead, but I felt like, look, there's nothing wrong, you know? Nobody knows anything. Everything we do, we get directions from God. You know, just how you how well you please and trust your instincts you know in just a moment Bizu will be talking about how leaving maven records led to one of the darkest moments of his life 
and how starting the plug NG gave him a reason to leave. Stay with us. I'm Oshaya and you're listening to Origins Africa podcast. Hi, dear listener. If you love our show, please leave us a review on iTunes and Apple Podcast. You can also send us a tweet or comment on Instagram at Origins AF. We love to read from you. Nope, not later. Yes, I read your mind. Do it now. Thanks a lot. Also click the subscribe button and share with a friend. Let's make a difference together, one origin story at a time. Hi guys, welcome back to Origins Africa podcast. I'm Oshaya. So it's 2016 and Bizu decides to leave Maven Records. Why? Yeah, so 2016, I mean, we had disagreements, you know, and... I felt it was good for me to leave. I mean, everybody, you can't serve a master for too long. You like, also have to go, you know, like it's only in Nigeria that I know that people, feel, when you leave somewhere, they say, ah, oh, you are betraying someone that helped you, someone that, you know, but I don't think it's betrayed. I think in life, you cannot serve somewhere for, for all your life. You know, you have to move on. It's not everybody that, if you don't see a future beyond what you, it is, you must move on. Sometimes, yeah, you see some people, oh, I worked in Mobile all my life. I retired at 65. They gave me a golden check. But if you don't see that future at Mobile, at Mobile or that future at Total, you move on to somewhere else where you see a future. And that will happen with me at Maven then, you know, I didn't see a future. Our, our visions were not aligning. I guess, you know, I was far ahead. Everything that Maven are doing now were things I wanted them to do back then. Of, of international and everything. So, but they were even ready. My visions were in aligning. So I said, you know what, I'll, I'll take a leave, you know, and I left them, I stopped working with them. You know, it affected me because I didn't know, I didn't plan for it. So I had nowhere to go. And I just left me being, I moved on with my life. I went to America for like three months. I was depressed. I, I didn't know what to do. You know, I just I said, you know what, I'm just going to stay in America. I was just spending the money I had saved up. I said, look, when this money finished, I'm going to get a job and I'll start a new life here. You know, I didn't want to go back to Nigeria. I just wanted to leave Nigeria and start a clean state. Because so, yeah, I think I had also heard you say that um, at that point you had lost hope in everything and you're looking for clarity on your calling. Yeah, so you became more exactly. spiritual. And... Exactly, exactly. You listen to my interview. So I became more spiritual, you know, like I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. I had lost all hope in life. So all I had was God. All I had was God. Like, I I would pray five times daily. I would just pray to God, read my Quran, read the Bible. I would just pray and pray. So, then when I, like, during the, sometimes during the week, I will go to Rock Nation office because I had a mentor there, Brian Biggs, he's Jesus' cousin. So, I'll go to Rock Nation office, I'll go to his office, I'll just chill, take my laptop, walk out of there, read and just try and see what I could do with my life, you know. And they, they weren't ready for African music either. So 
I, I wanted to work with them, but they weren't ready for African music. So, you know, one day, me and Issa now went to the office, and then, uh, you know, B.I. was said to me and Issa, I was like, yo, you know something? Like, you and Issa, you guys know so many people in Nigeria. You guys know so many people across Africa. Like, I've watched you guys. Like, because he, he used to come to Nigeria, so he knew us. So, like, I've watched you guys, and you guys... You guys are like the, the future. You guys are the plugs. You know, like you guys need to set up a company connecting people in Nigeria and Africa to the rest of the world. You know, like, and then me and Isa thought about it. I was like, hmm, that's a dope idea. So me and Isa went, we, we, we made a few phone calls. Then a lady, we spoke to a lady. She said, look, she will help us. Isa's dad introduced us to the lady. She helped us to do company registration. Found, she, she said what was the name of the company. We told her the plug. She did a search, came back, said the name was available. So she helped us register the company. We did the trademark and copyright of the name and everything. Then, after doing the whole registration, we're still here. Then Issa went back to Nigeria. He said, look, our business model will be we'll manage DJs and producers no artists, because we had felt betrayed by artists, both of us. So we said, look, no artists, just DJs. And Why had you felt betrayed or what happened? In I, I mean, you know, Issa was working with David, they fell out. Issa worked with IJ, they fell out. He worked with Bud, they fell out. So we just said, no, let's just focus on DJs and producers. And then we started working, managing OB, pushing OB. We're getting new gigs here and there for OB. And going, you know, we are not even from the company well. Before you know it, David fell out with his management. He called Issa, said to Issa, Issa, I want you to manage me. I need to get back to the basics. Um, I don't like what's going on with these people, XYZ. So, Issa said, you know, I'll think about it. 24 hours, we go back to David. He told David he was interested. We did a contract. We signed everything. Boom. Before you need it. Everywhere was announced. Uh, Issa and David will get back together. They will sign on that blog management. You know, it was so fast for us. Like, we had structured the company. Before you knew it, boom, boom, boom. We started working on David. Then David drops if if blue, boom. David's career just started going back up. Him and Issa started traveling. Blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, you know, let me stay back and try and organize and build the company. Then as time was going by trying to build the company, we just got one big deal for David um, East African tour. And it was me that, no, not South African, Francophone tour. And it was me that got the deal. It was a big check then, I remember. Almost almost half a million dollars. So, you know, from our percentage from that, just started to register the, you know, get office space, studio office space. We had staff, started working. We started doing events, doing music distribution, growing the company. Um, from there, we were here today, three years. In, in August, will be four years. That's crazy. So after bringing in David, you guys decided to 
once again focus on artists? Yeah. Okay, okay. And would you say um, you were starting the blog that helped get you out of that, um, the first stage you were in then? Yeah, it was. I mean, starting the blog was a new thing for me in my life. That's why I cherish blog due to forever. Like, it, it, it was a new height in my life. And, you know, I just said, look, this is a message from God. You know, when God says to you that, look, I'm giving you a chance to, to prove yourself. I'm giving you a chance to rebuild. And for me, this was it. Would you say that moment was when you felt most alone? Alone. In your journey? Yes. Yeah, I felt alone in that period of time. I felt, even though I had, like, so funny enough, I was in America, I was staying in my guy's house. And my guy was also going through depression. So <clears throat> imagine two depressed people in the same house. Oh, oh we wow. never open never opened the windows. It was always dark. We'll be playing like depressed music, like we'll be playing music, sad music, like music. I just wanna die right now. Like all the sound of music. But wow. prayer was keeping me alive. Like because I used to observe my five daily prayers every time. I'll be reading the Bible, the Quran, I always used to read things that would encourage me, I would lift me up. That's when I fell in love with even this guy, Pastor Samadhi Emi. Like, I was following him on Twitter. His tweets helped me a lot. It was like, look, before... Before daylight comes, there's darkness. And before goodness, there's a storm. So I felt like I was going through the storm and the darkness that time of my life. So for me, I didn't... You know, I, I still had hope, even though I was down and alone, but I had hope that things would get better. Because every time there was always some sort of revelation. And then, you know, when I was walking on the streets of New York, I would see signs, I would see things that, you know, made me feel, look, there is something for you, like, you, you shouldn't lose hope. This is not the end. There's still something big, big coming for you in front. So I, that made me just not give up. It made me just continue to like, say, look, I have to be great. That's great. That's great. So plug came in and now you're going to be four years in August. So what have been some of um, the inspiring moments for you? I mean, the inspiring moments for me, I would say... Um, all the success that it has been able to achieve with David o, I mean, all our successful events. We started a mainland block party with uh, one of our partners, uh, with two of our partners, Top Boy and Tash. And now mainland block party grew to Ireland, grew to capital. Now, we know, even before, because of this whole corona, we're about to do Owiri and Potakot, you know, and add it to it. So, like, those things are things that really, really been some of our great achievements, you know, going from just not wanting to manage artists, just do producers and DJs, to being <laughs> to doing events, music publishing, all those things just really, you know, made me have hope. And now we, we do music publishing, we do music licensing, we do music distribution. And I know there's sports now. Sports, yeah, we love sports. 
I mean, we signed, we signed um, Henry Kuru, and we recently just signed another sports client in this lockdown. I can't mention name yet, but mm-hmm. we'll reveal soon. So, okay. I mean, I, I give God the glory, to be honest, because I, I keep saying, without God, everything else is possible. And me and Issa, very, very religious people, no matter what we do, like Issa doesn't miss church, doesn't miss like mass, all these things, it's his Catholic. So, like, we, I think those are the type of things that really helped us. Like, mm-hmm. it's a, no matter what, like, you, you don't joke with church. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, okay. I hear that. What What would you say you guys also did um, that helped with your success? So what did you do? What um, steps did you take that helped with your success? I mean, to me, I would say things that really helped us is is hard work, focus, and discipline. A lot of people are not disciplined, you know, like me and Issa, we haven't earned a salary since we started this business. And we started this business with our personal money. Money that we could have easily just said, look, let's blow it, buy Rolex, buy car. We invested into the business. We paid salary for all our staff, even though we're not making money now. But I mean, we're still doing things. But I mean, even though we reduced their salary, but we're still working in the hope of, look, everything's going to get better. You know, we our staff strength has reduced, but we're still keeping hope alive. And we're still, you know, looking, finding ways where we can generate more. Yeah, revenue. that's true. How is COVID-19 impacting you guys? I mean, it's really, we, we've really been here too, because, you know, most of uh, the biggest streams of income is our artists doing shows and our events. We haven't been able to do any events. Uh, none of our artists have been able to perform at any shows. So we haven't been making any money. But, you know, we're still keeping up. I mean, things that is really making us money right now is the distribution and the publishing. So when you were starting out, when you were starting out um, the blog, what um, were some of your mistakes once again when you started out? Uh, I mean, to be honest, well, <laughs> I don't know. Some of our mistakes, I'll say, were the people we hired in the beginning, even though they were good, but we're overpaying them because we didn't. We felt like, look, it's good to pay the best staff so that you can have a great job. But I guess overpaying them kind of affected us because we should have gotten people that were asking for as much. Because I think those are the things that we didn't really think about overheads. We just wanted, we, we had the money, so we just said, let's spend it. But I guess those are the things we've learned now that look, it's not behind. Yes, you can hire someone that is making that is earning this much, but is the person giving you that value? Okay, okay. And what would you also say helped with your success? Would it be the structures you get put in place or would it be the artists I mean, the stru- you guys signed? I think or- part of the things that really helped is the structure we put in place. Also having to know that, look, me having, I used to live on the mainland. So me having to wake up from the mainland to come to the island, that discipline of coming to work, having nine to five, you know, making, putting place, things in place. We had an office where we gave people tasks uh, to do work. I feel like those things really helped us, you know, in the beginning, those are the of things that helped us to get to where we are now. Okay, okay. Aside structures, what else would you say helped? And who said the structures? You, 
is uh, both of you, or you hired I mean, it someone? Both of us. It was both okay. of us, but it was more of me, because it's not in any days, it was always on the road with David traveling. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, like, you know, it's always the fiery guy, but I was more of, like, if me and Issa, we are co-founders, but I did more more of the job of co-founder and, and CEO, CEO work at the same time. Issa was more on the road with David, trying to, you know, help, because it's also David's manager as well, so he, he was also helping to build David's career. Okay. I know... Um two people working together to found a business. There are always issues and we've also had cases where co-founders had separated and stuff like that. What would you say has helped you and Issa? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you and say that we haven't had issues. We've had so many issues, so many disagreements where sometimes, you know, I mean, we've never reached the point of, to, for us, we always feel like, look, don't get to the point of, I feel like with every, you can always solve every problem. You know, depending on if you want to solve it or not. We've had many issues in the beginning where, you know, I felt like Issa focus was more David than the business. And, you know, we we, we, we sat down and we spoke about Issa. Now that David's career is at a point where, you know, Issa is doing less because the career is at a point where all David needs now is music just to keep afloat and more endorsements, you know. But in the beginning where they were growing, where it's uh, them when the when they first broke into America and all these things, you know, I for me I felt like Issa was putting all his eggs into that basket and not into the club. But you know, as time got by, you know, we started to understand I said, look, for us to be able to get to this table, for me to be able to get here, we have to do this, do that. And then, you know, when now that Issa is older, I mean, realize that, look, I've helped David build his career. It's time for me to start helping more people build their career to where they need to get to, so that people don't see it as a fluke of, okay, it's only David you can work with. So now we're at the point where we're now like, okay, look, let's build it. Let's build the company more. So you said talking it out helped. Exactly, yes. And that's one thing about me and Issa. We talk, I, I mean, you know, we're both Leos. We're both fire styles. So, but, you know, we agree to disagree. But at the end of the day, when we realize that, you know, I fucked up, we, we try to, everybody tries to fix where they messed up. Okay, okay. What do you wish you had known or, or you had had when you were starting the blog? For me, I, I wish that we had investors. Because I'm not going to lie to you, like even big businesses to today. I, I mean, I have so many big men that are my friends that have businesses, and they, they say to me that look, in the beginning I have investors, right? Because look, get loans, get investments, it help you grow the business. Like you have to remember that the, you can't. It's not easy growing a business in Nigeria. We have so many things that affect us. Nepa, internet, rent, all these things. So if you, you need people to support you, you need to go and borrow money to support you in the beginning. Because when you, when you borrow money, you work hard to be able to, because you know when you know that you have to pay the money back, you work hard. But when it's your own money, if you lose it, you just be like, yeah, you've lost it. God will provide. 
you know. But when you know, when you have people's money at stake, it will make you want to work extra hard so that you can pay that money back. Okay. What are some of your fears and, and insecurities today? Um, some of my fears and insecurities, I'm not going to lie, would be, you know, not being able to build a global brand like we eventually thought we would build. You know, I keep thinking about it every day that, look, what if something happens and we can't build this global brand and picture, you know? Insecurities is always financial in any business. Like, you know, for us, we've thought about, you know, raising money to be able to get things to a better level. But I feel like right now, we build the business and our books to a level where if we get investment, we can do, achieve more. Well, you know, I, look at, I, I believe that if we have investments from people, we can achieve a whole lot more. We can hire more skilled people. Okay. Does it mean you guys will be focusing on investment actively post-COVID? Or maybe even now? Oh, yes. I mean, post-COVID, we will be. Not now, right now, because right now, nobody's listening to anything. Everybody's focused on surviving. Surviving and post-COVID. So, I mean, post-COVID, we'll definitely be looking for investments. we need to expand. Okay, okay. What has chasing your dreams cost you? Or what have you lost along the way? Or what pains do you I have mean, to endure? Yeah, chasing my dreams has cost me a lot. First of all, I'm not in a serious relationship because I travel a lot and, you know, I'm always here and there. You know, you know females, they don't always want, they want someone that is always available when they need them. So that's really affected me. Secondly, also it's cost me a lot where I don't have money. Any money I have, even if the, if the company is down, I put my personal money into the company because then they, I remember when you have staff, you're feeding people's families as well. So even if you go hungry, they won't be able to eat. So no matter what it is, even if I have 100K left in my account, which God forbid will never happen, but if I have... I'll make sure out of 100k, 50k, I, I set to my staff so that they can have something as well. Because I don't like, I, I, look, I, I know what it is for all these people. I know what they're going through. So, I mean, if I have, I'll split into two and share with share, share the other half of them. So it has really cost me a lot, trust me, because I know that there are some things that I would love to enjoy that I don't enjoy, like holidays. Sometimes I don't like I want to go on holiday, but then I, then I think again, ah, well, we don't make enough money that we're trying to make this quarter and we can't pay our staff or something. Also, looking back now, what two key lessons has chasing your dreams taught you? Um, I mean, to be honest, I would say, look, no matter what, chase your dreams because at the you don't want to regret, you don't want to go old and feel like, look, I didn't chase my dreams because of XYZ. Chasing your dream also makes you comfortable and happy. It makes it easier to work. Right now, like me chasing my dream is making me happy. Like I've met a lot of people that I never thought I would meet. You know, I'm working with people that I never thought I would get to work with. You know, I'm not regretting anything. Even if I'm not as rich as I want to be, but not regretting anything. And I, I, I believe chasing my dream has also helped me to 
become stronger in life. It's also helped me like spiritually as well because I feel like, look, I right now for me, I see myself as someone where, look, I've passed the stage of, look, everything in life. If it's to club, if it's to travel, do this one. I think I've done it. I might not have done it in the high capacity of oh, where some other people do it. Maybe you go to Bali and spend ten thousand dollars, forty thousand dollars. I might not have done all those that, but I've enjoyed enjoyment in my life. Right now, the stage that I'm at in my life is the stage where I want to get closer to God. I want to build a, a global brand. I want to build a business that will be able to, I know that, look, in the future, when I retire, I can sit back on, you know, on one nice island with my wife, and I'll be seeing daily reports from my business, from the CEO of my business, my company, sending me reports of this is how the business is doing well. You know, so for me, I feel like... That's nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I feel like me chasing my dream is also something that I feel like has helped me to see life in a different way. Mm -hmm. It makes me appreciate things, you know, makes me appreciate business owners, makes me appreciate so many things in life. Okay, okay. Um, And looking back as well, looking back through your career journey, what would you say helped you the most? What has helped me the most is me being a very, very nice person and humble person. Like, me, I've helped a lot of people that I don't even, it's not because I need anything back from you. So people can't pay me back. But it's just being being nice and being good to people. Like, in this life, you must always be good to people because you don't know when you need somebody tomorrow. You being good to a person can save your life. Maybe one guy, that maybe you go to a place where they are trying to do bad to you. Or you've been nice to one guy there, that guy says, ah, don't do anything to this guy. This guy is always nice to me. Or this guy has been nice to me before. So the, it costs you nothing to be nice to people. It costs you absolutely nothing. It doesn't remove from your bank account to be nice. You don't have to give people, but be nice. The way you speak to people, the way you treat people. Like anywhere I've worked, like all these clubs have done stuff. Everybody, the road, even the, the guys on the road, the waiters, the toilet people, everybody likes me. But I'm nice to them. I don't look at them as, as long as you don't disrespect me, as long as you put yourself in the right place, you know, I respect you, I will laugh at you. If I have, I give you. If I don't have, I don't give you. You know, but I feel like it costs you nothing to be nice. So okay. why, why be mean to people? You know, it costs you nothing to why disrespect people. I tell people it costs you nothing to respect people. So why disrespect people? Like we need to always we need to learn that in, in humanity, like we've lost humanity, which is why a lot of things happen. You know, like sorry to digress from what we're talking about, but like we've lost humanity. And that's why you find people, you know, raping people, you find police like yourself oppressing you because he has a gun or because he's in the higher power. Or because he, he works for the government, or is or is part of a society, you know that you know like we shouldn't do things like that. We should not oppress our fellow black man or our fellow black woman. You know we should think before we do things. Like it costs you nothing to be nice, you know. But at the end of the day, we all need to remember that no we, nobody owes you anything in life, but to be nice to you. The only thing we owe each other in this world to be nice and respect each other. Okay, okay. 
I know you also mentioned that for everyone you've worked with, that you don't um, typically sign contracts with them. Yeah, I mean, I don't really, I don't, me, I don't really believe in contracts, to be honest, unless, like, besides, if it's plug, if it's business personal, I don't have contracts. If it's plug, then there's a contract, because I think the plug is a business, which I have a partner, I cannot be saying, oh, X, Y, Z. But if it's business enterprises that is working with you, there's no contracts. It's word of mouth. And the day you betray me or I betray you, we part our ways. Okay. Okay. Um, I know you had advised Oxlade, um, or you had mentioned somewhere that you had advised Oxlade to be patient and to discover himself before signing himself to anybody. Um, oh, yeah. Why do you think that is necessary for aspiring artists? Because for me, I'll tell, I, I tell every aspiring artist, discover yourself. Don't think it is by signing to one big name or one big label or one big name artist. Because I feel like, first of all, the most important thing is understand yourself. You know, you have to understand yourself and know what you're doing. Like a lot of people don't understand themselves. You don't even know about yourself. You don't know what you like. You don't, you don't have a dream. You don't have a vision. You know, that's why if you watch one of Fireboy's interviews, Fireboy said, with or without YBNO, he was determined to blow. And that's someone that understands himself. He had a vision. He knew what he wanted in life. If you do not know what you want in life and you sign to a label, they will control you from when you sign to when you leave. And that's why you, even for you to leave becomes a problem because it's like a blood host. Labels in Nigeria, even when people leave, that's why you see people, see people start saying, oh, you betrayed the label, you did this one now. For them, they feel like it's a blood host that you sign with the label. It's not a blood host. If you feel things are not working out, you move both separate ways. But let us try and keep things very, very good. Don't live in a bad way. Don't live in a way that everybody is bitter. If you're not happy, this is it. Okay, let's work on this payment plan of how I'll pay you back and everybody is happy. Okay. If someone leaves a label in Nigeria, everybody says, ah, that's why his career is down. He cannot succeed again. We need the label. No, it shouldn't be that way. Tori Lanez left his label. Tori Lanez's last project that he just released recently was an independent. But at the end of the day, you must always have a team. Build your team, your core team. Understand what you want. So for aspiring talents out there, what would you say is the... Uh, what, would, uh, what, what, what What's the best way for them to get your attention? Well, I mean, to be honest, there's no way to get my attention. To be honest. Like, if your music is good, I'll find you. There was one girl recently... She did a freestyle, and I saw her on Twitter. I reached out. I I don't I don't like when people spam me with music or bug me. Like it doesn't mean I will listen to your music. I have over five thousand emails on Red, and I'm sure a lot of it is music. But I don't look for me. I I love to discover music myself. I don't. Sometimes yes, people send music to me and I listen. But most times I enjoy when I discover music myself. So where where is your favorite place in the world? My favorite place in the world used to be New York, but now it's changed. My favorite, my new favorite place is LA. Why? Why? Why LA? It's just beautiful. It's amazing. Like I, I love it. I love the vibe. Okay. It's somewhere I love to live. Uh, and what's a typical day in your life like? How would you describe your typical day? Wake up five a.m., say my prayers, go back to bed for a little bit, or sometimes stay awake. You know, wake up again by like 9 a.m., have a shower, brush my teeth, 
have breakfast, head out to the office, stay in the office from 10 to 5 p.m. or sometimes till later. If I have meetings during the day, I go to my meetings. You know, I, if I'm in the office, listen to music, or if I'm not in Nigeria, when I'm out, I, when I travel, typical day, wake up, go to my meetings, go to studio. Okay. If you could send a message to your younger self 10 years ago, what would you tell the younger Bezo? Uh, what I told the younger Bezo? Be smart. Don't feel pressured. You're doing, you're going to be fine in the future. Okay. What did you mean by be smart? I mean, I made some silly decisions, stupid decisions. But yeah, that's what I meant by be smart. Okay. Are you going to share any or I shouldn't bother asking? Nah. <laughs> they're all like personal stuff, not necessarily anything to do with work. Okay. What's the best advice you've gotten? The best advice I've gotten from anyone. Someone told me, work in silence. Says, look, not everybody is happy for your success. So work in silence and let your work, you know, your, let your success be the noise. Okay. What's one thing you can't do without? One thing I can't do without? Um, I'll say my cell phone. Okay. What's one food you wish didn't exist? Food. Yes. What food do you wish didn't exist? I don't know. <laughs> I like food. And like, there's no particular one you don't think should exist. Any food should exist. Ah, okay. Okay. So what gives you hope today and the reason to still leave? The hope and reason to leave is because I, I know my future is very bright and I know God has a lot of things planned for me that I haven't achieved. So that's what keeps me alive. That's like, no matter what, even when I'm having anxiety attacks, when I'm feeling down, you know, when I, like, I never give up, I never lose hope because I still want to leave because I know, look, my mission on earth is not done. I know God wants me to do so many things that I haven't done. So I'm still, I'm working so hard to be able to achieve those things. You know, by God's grace, like one of the things I know that inshallah I want to do, build a mosque. Okay. I want to build a mosque. I want to, you know, like, I want to hopefully build a music school or build a, a, a big media center or academy. You know, okay. those are things that are things I want to do. So I feel like, look, as long as God keeps telling me that, well, I'm not done with you, I, I st- I'm still living. Okay. So, do you still battle with anxiety attacks? Oh, yeah. Everybody still battles with anxiety attacks. I mean, no matter what. I don't think there's anybody sure. that doesn't have anxiety attacks. It's just how you manage it. It's just how you manage it. So, I still battle with anxiety. During this lockdown, I had so many anxiety attacks. Even I lost a close friend, um, a dancer, LD, picture Kodak. You know, she died uh-huh. during this lockdown. You know, I, the day I heard the news, like, I had serious anxiety attacks. I couldn't sleep. I was, you know... I was just up the whole night, you know, but... Uh, 
Okay. I've been able to con- know how to control it. And I, I'm, I'm grateful to God for that, you know, like for being able to be able to control it. So, okay. Okay. Looking back, would you ascribe your success to your hard work and your skills or to luck? No. Um, well, I don't think anybody is lucky in this life. I think... Everything that happens, God wanted it to happen. So it's a blessing from God. Luck, is, for me, is something that... Luck, for me, luck is... Oh, I was lucky to maybe when I'm playing um, all those games that you pick a teddy bear, that's luck. You know, but in life, when things are happening for you and good things are happening, Things are aligning for you. It's not luck. It's a blessing from God. Uh, okay. Okay. So would you ascribe your success then to blessings or to your hard work and Yeah, skills? I ascribe my success to, to being blessed. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm highly blessed and favored by God. So I know that a lot of things that have happened for me in my life has been due to the fact that God loves me. And, you know, God just keeps blessing me. Okay. What's your advice to people out there? My advice is keep God first, stay focused, and believe in, in your dream. You know, like, there's nothing wrong with being a dreamer or believing in your dream. Dreams come true. I can testify to that. There are a lot of dreams of mine that have come. Dreams come true. But you have to believe in your dream, and you have to keep God first. And God makes those dreams realities. Okay. What's one question? Um, if 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 you were in my shoes, what's one question you would have asked yourself that I haven't asked yet? Uh, I don't know. I don't know to be honest. <laughs> okay, okay. Who would you like me to interview next? Um, to share the like story. story. Mm. It's, it's it's between a few people. Is it a Oxlade, DJ Spino? Okay. Or Oxide Jespino or who else? Prayon. Prayon from Maven Records. That's Abiodo Bezel Ushikoya. He's the co-founder of The Plug NG. Thank you for listening to our show this week. If you liked it, do leave us a review, a comment, and share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and to tell another friend. We would also love to read from you. So please do send us a tweet or leave a comment on Instagram at Origins AF. You can also write to us at Origins Africa Podcast at gmail.com. Remember, do subscribe at wherever you get your podcast. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, amongst others. Join us next time as we have a chat with Tosin Duratoye. She's the CEO of Bloom Africa and COO of Filmo Realty. You have your passport, you don't need a visa. And I was like, eh, who said that? Hello, <laughs> <laughs> so today I still joke that it must be my village people that were calling me back. Our sound producer this week was Tumisha Jani, and the theme song was composed by Just Ritimi. I'm Oshaya, and you've been listening to Origins Africa podcast. Bye for now. My father told me life is not a bit of roses.
Yeah.